I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Clive Anderson. Welcome to My Seven Wonders. In ancient times, hanging gardens, great pyramids and other superstructures were celebrated as wonders of the world. And like days of the week and deadly sins, there were always seven of them. But what are the seven wonders you would put on your personal list? That's the question I ask my guests in this podcast. And the guest I'm asking today is an American performer and writer appearing at his first show on this side Atlantic, this year's Edinburgh Festival. And the show is called What If This Is The Best I Can Do? So please welcome Matt Goldich. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, surprise. Are you guys thrilled? Yeah. So, it, that, uh, that's right. I've understood from you this is your first show uh, that My- you've done this side of the Atlantic. This right here is literally the first yeah, show because I'm premiering tonight is my show. Oh, right. So, well, yeah. it's very good of so, you to yeah. uh, to come along and do this. Um, uh, I want to let the audience into this because just the excitement of it all. You were due to be coming on tomorrow night and we had we had to, to somebody else had to pull up and you very kindly come 24 ahead of time. I'm happy to be a backup. Somebody else. The, the There's person, no, no, no backup. You were going to be tomorrow. The exciting got, surprise yeah. guest you wrote that intro for canceled. And <laughs> you had to leave it the same, so that's fine. Yeah. Uh, the intro's the same, everyone. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Um, uh, so, no, it is very good. So tell us the name of your show uh, and where it's on, so we at least get that mentioned. Yeah, right. it's yeah. called uh, What If This Is The Best I Could Do. It's at the Gilded Balloon. I found out today it's pronounced Teviot. Yes. TV it, not yeah. Teviot. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, I'm doing uh, an hour of stand-up. So. That, um, if, if I may say so, that sounds almost like a sort of British title. What if this is the best I can do? Americans well, then it not... should crush, I guess. I hopefully hear. I don't yeah, know. Well, you, you're normally Americans. Yeah, I'm, this, this is the best. I, well, I'm going for it. Whereas in Britain, we tend to be, well, I'm not sure if I, uh, yeah, I'm trying to do my best. I think I'm going to do quite well in Britain, honestly, because I'm, I'm very uh, down on myself. So yes. it seems like uh, <laughs> yeah. the whole... The whole show, the topic is failure. And, All right. Yeah. So. Well, I certainly are going to be coming along and, and enjoying it once it gets good. good. That's, that's right. my sort of area. But let's just uh, you could just give us some idea of what you've done uh, other than doing shows over here. You you write comedy and you perform comedy, and you've written for quite a lot of yeah, big American for, shows. I mean, most recently I wrote, I've been writing for Late Night with Seth Meyers for the last nine years until we went on strike in May. All so right. I haven't been doing anything since then other than getting ready for this so it better be good i don't know but yeah <laughs> so even talk shows are subject to this talk hollywood show, everything strike. yeah yeah what, what, even ones that we in new york or is it the whole everything country? new york la yeah the whole everything is pretty much shut down so what's on late night reruns remember? and apparently they're doing just as well in the ratings yeah. which is not <laughs> not good um, but yeah. uh, you know, and how far back do you go on sort of late night? Uh, David Letterman, did you? I did. Work? I wrote for Letterman for a year, and yes. I got fired. I'll talk about that in my show. 
right. And, and uh, was yeah. that because uh, you slept with him or because... Uh, <laughs> I no, was, no, he had a... That was the most extraordinary moment on it, the Letterman I, show. I, I, I talk about that in my show. It actually happened. Uh, he came on the air and, and talked yeah. about his scandal, and that was on a Thursday. And then Friday was a rerun, and then Monday, that following week, was my first day. Oh wow! Yeah, so I had so they there was a whole he did a whole monologue about just, it. Just just uh, so everyone's up on this because I'm a bit obsessive about these things, so I know okay. about it. But so David Adam, you know, is a big uh, uh, talk show. How long? How many years was he on? Twenty twenty five. Something years? like that. Yeah. And then he seems to have had the odd affair with uh, female members of his staff. Yeah. And somebody found out about it, so uh, tried to blackmail him. And instead of either paying up or retreating to his shell or whatever he just it, it, the whole thing was set up with the police were going to go and arrest him the the associate of one of these yeah. women and uh, he announced it on air and it was uh, it was extraordinary it moment. was pretty wild yeah it yeah. was a, it was a good way the blackmail was a good way to sort of yeah. throw off the yeah. other part of it which was less uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> less uh, charitable towards him but it was crazy i mean and he went on that first day afterwards and talked about the whole thing in my monologue. It was yeah. in his monologue. It was his first day. And my yeah. family was all like, did you write those jokes? I was like, no, I didn't write jokes about the boss's <laughs> sex scandal on my first day. That was. But because in the, na in the nature of the way he does things, you wouldn't know until you were halfway into that, what he was saying, that's, whether it was a joke or no, whether it's. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. It was a lot of people, I think, thought yeah. that he was spinning a yarn I'm, I'm slightly wasting time here to talking about my uh, it was about the David Letterman show because I once saw a thing that he did which I was so uh, uh, enjoyed but yeah. I also was so cross with myself for being so stupid he did a thing when he was just doing a regular show and he noticed two sailors in the audience in sailor uniforms and he said what are you wait, who are you guys what are you? oh they'd just been at sea for six months and they're in docked in New York and they came to see he said what do you what do you didn't come to my TV show you should be out Something much more raunchy than just seeing a TV show. So then another guest and a bit of music. He went back to, what, well, you're still here? Haven't you gone off to a strip club yet? No, no, we loved it. And it went about four times to them. Yeah. Then eventually he said, oh, look, come with me. I'll take you somewhere interesting. And the camera came with him. And then they went out the back of the studio into uh, like a strip club, you know, nightclub kind of place. Yeah. And at that point... The shot went from that camera to another camera, which was in the strip club. And that moment, I realised, no, these are just actors. Yeah. they're not. Uh, they, they're never. They never were sailors. Yeah. That whole thing. So, in that context, to see him, uh, oh, I'm being blackmailed. Was, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be an amazing ending to that if I said I wrote that? It would be fantastic, but no. I wish oh, I was sorry. On. Sorry to disappoint. I think, I think you could have done it. The timing wouldn't work, work out. Anyway, so you've done. You've appeared on uh, these shows as well. Yeah, I've, it, I've done yeah. uh, stand-up on a few yeah. different t talk yeah. shows, yeah. So are you, uh, when you're writing jokes, are you a, a frustrated performer at that point? Thing, I, I, or you do you enjoy No, the, the I get a thrill out of both. I get a thrill out of performing on stage yeah. and, and uh, doing well. And then I also, when your uh, joke does well on television, that's also very exciting. Yes. So, yeah, they're both fun. I yeah. like them both. But I imagine they're quite uh, tough shows to get jokes on. Um, there are lots of writers, high-quality writers, and... Um, just even just getting the jokes on is, is quite yeah, hard Yeah, I mean, work. there's a lot, for, for sure, there's a lot of uh, competition, but it's even harder when we're on strike. That yes. It, yeah. So, well, luckily, you'll be able to make a fortune in doing your show oh my God. Uh, over here. Yeah. <laughs> I, <I'm> all... <laughs> for somebody used to American wages, you, you'll be surprised the amount of money you can uh, get. Yeah. Get, get. yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm I'm losing. I think 1.25 uh, times what I would lose in America. So okay, all there, right. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you, I got you to do your seven wonders. Yeah, and uh, so that's the the basis of this conversation. So, uh, and some of these are quite American, which is good to uh, introduce us to various things. Some. Uh, some not some obviously so, but it's the first your first wonder of all the things in the world, the wonder of the world is the Saturday Night Live sketch, the guy who plays Mr. Belvedere fan club. Yes. So, so uh, yeah. I was definitely a comedy nerd growing up. I actually, so it's funny because they, you know, when the producers reached out to me to do this, yeah. they, they tried to explain to me who you were, and I was like, no, I I know because I watched. <laughs> no, that, that did not require a laugh. That, <laughs> that, <laughs> but. You know, I was a big – when I was 12, 13, I watched comedy all the time yeah. on TV. And one of the things they showed uh, in America on Comedy Central was the original Who's Line. And oh, it was on cool. when I would, like, get home from school. So I would watch it every day. Yes. And uh, so I watched a lot of that, a lot of the Simpsons, Seinfeld, Saturday, and a lot of Saturday Night Live. And I have a lot of favorite Saturday Night Live sketches, but I definitely picked the one that I thought was – the because a lot of people have certain – Saturday Night Live sketches that are famous that, that I also love, but I picked the one that I thought people might not know as well. Well, I think I think you might have found that, but uh, so yeah. no, but Saturday Night Live's been on for oh decades, yeah. hasn't it? So yeah, it's a, it's a slightly strange American institution. It, our shows tend to come and go a bit right. here, not all of them, but most of them do. Whereas Saturday Night Live has now got the. I don't know people who could be the children or grandchildren. It's almost which, fifty years old. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, it's been around forever, and I mean. It goes through, you know, but there's there's certain sketches just over time that always make me laugh. And this one, I remember seeing it as a kid, and it's Tom Hanks as the host, and he is hosting a meeting of the, I mean, even the title is funny, the fact that it's the guy who plays Mr. Belvedere fan club. Yeah. Like, these people don't actually know what the actor's name is who played Mr. I picked, by the way, it's also, I, he's British, he's, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I yeah. played, yeah. Christopher Hewitt. Yes. But, so I, I, but I have to tell you, the Mr. Belvedere show yeah. is not famous over here. I, it's not famous in America. Uh, okay. <laughs> and I think that was Christopher Hewitt's finest sort right. of, uh, or yeah. most lucrative role. Um, I don't know if he's known for anything but over you here. you watch the sketch. I mean, everybody, I this morning, everybody yes. in, the, in this meeting is a fan of him and they every every actor in the sketch is is perfect as themselves i mean tom hanks is perfect as the straight man who's sort of reacting to people uh well that was the most exciting thing yeah. first of all that it's tom hanks young tom i, I hanks, wasn't i don't associate tom hanks and i mean and his delivery is perfect and keep in mind it was delivered live so i mean he sort of nails it one take and yeah. then everyone in it is perfect chris farley is in it and he's sort of perfect phil yeah. hartman uh, there's all these people when they were younger, Adam Sandler, and they all sort of, everyone sort of nails their one or two yes. moments in the sketch just perfectly. And then uh, <laughs> the Phil Hartman has this line that I always remember. They're talking about uh, what you should and shouldn't do if you're a fan of Mr. Belvedere. And he said, I should want to cook Mr. Belvedere a simple meal. I should not want to cut into him to tear the flesh, to wear the flesh. <laughs> to be born into new worlds where his flesh is my key. <laughs> and, yeah. and Tom yeah. Hanks has to say, good, good, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just the, the delivery of it is perfect. So they're all, they're yeah. obsessives and they get more and more yeah. obsessive. So they're just fans and these super fans and these uh, yeah. you know, homicidal fans. Right, yeah. it's, it's also very, I mean, I don't know how much people have been paying attention, but there's this been this string of, in the news of like concerts where the 
fans are like throwing things at the performers yeah. and it's very so it's very relevant now where this idea of like oh i'm a huge fan of this person should i kill them like the, all <laughs> these people sort of go to that natural place yes of, it's like, it's scary especially yeah. as we tend to have a view of america that there's there's Potential for violence seems to be in, around the corner every I, quarter. I don't think it's just potential. <laughs> I think it's yeah, realized. And, yeah. T- and Tom Hanks is particularly good. He, he, his delivery is rather like Bob Newhart. You know that, yes. that sort of monologist yes, that I would uh, say, people yeah. are yeah. familiar with. But I don't know if he was modeling. So I mean, this is about 1990, was it? Uh, Something this, like that, yeah. Yeah. So you you were, this is I your was, part of your history. This was probably right in my wheelhouse. I mean, they say, right, like stuff that you got into when you were like 11 or 12 was yes. probably like the stuff that you are a fan of right. your entire life so that definitely okay in that. so that is your that's your first wonder of the world and, that was my first yeah, yeah and that is is that watching that sort of thing and of course whose line is it anyway did that encourage you to think yeah i could i could do better than that i can uh, i or i can do that i um, i i definitely it it took me several years to realize like oh i i knew at that point oh i i love tv i love comedy and i sort of was like oh i need to get in that into TV or into entertainment or something. But it really took me until maybe six or seven years after that till college or even maybe when I got to New York to be like, oh, comedy writer, that's where it's at. So do you went to college or to university? Did you study anything vaguely related to to writing jokes? Not really. I studied political science. Oh, well, that's that's close enough. Good for topics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, (laughs) So how do you did you think about being a politician or no. writing or writing speeches no. for politicians? There was just no. There was no. Ma- the major that was closest. There was a. It was. It was. Uh, I th- I knew there was a film major, but it was called Modern Culture and Media, and it was all about. Uh, I the first class I took was all about Marxism, and yeah. then the second one was the Intro to Film class, and I think the first film that they showed us was that old film where the guy is getting his eyeball sliced open. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's yes. like from the 20s. And I was yeah. like, I think this is not what I want to do. Yes. I was just sort of, this is not what I was thinking when they said. Oh, I thought you were going to say the first was, was Karl Marx and the next one was the Marx Brothers. Yeah, that, that was, would have uh, been good. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. that, that would have might have, I might have continued with it. If <laughs> so, so did you have a job out with the comedy or TV industry first? Did you? Did My first job out of, uh, out of college was, I was actually a page at NBC where I uh, work now. So I would seat the, I would uh, give tours to people towards yes. the studio and then seat the audiences for various shows. So, all right. Yeah. So you, you'd already kind of decided this, this I was your so. area. I think yeah. so. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. And what about performing? When did you first also in college? I started yeah. doing stand up. I actually got rejected from the sketch group and then the improv group. And then I, I was like, well, I'll just start a stand up group. So I started right. that. I'd never done stand up, but, no. but, but you're, more, you're more in control of that. If you, you, you just decide what to say rather than I felt sketch, that way. To, and people yeah. always say to me, I mean, they're always like, oh, I don't know how you get up there and perform. It seems so scary to me. And for me, it's not scary because you have a script, right? Like I know exactly what I'm going to say and I've yeah. planned it as opposed to improv, which I, yeah. I, some of my coworkers do. And I find that way scarier. Well, I was just talking to Paul Merton the other day. who's an old friend of mine. He's a leading improviser up here doing an improvised show. And he says the exact opposite of you. He said, well, you know, if you've got a script, you've got to think about remembering the lines. Whereas improv, you've got nothing to remember. You've yeah. just got to come up with stuff. And, yeah. uh, well, he's wrong. <laughs> he, he, he's right for himself he's right that's for himself fair, that's fair. so is this new york when you were at college or was it somewhere no i was more... in college uh in uh, uh providence rhode island school called brown oh right so, so yeah oh yeah that's a, it's a classy it's classy university yeah you know and it gets mentioned in family guy quite a lot doesn't it does it <laughs> yeah i think so yeah they make yeah it's like sort of uh i'm sure know. brian is an un, 
is an uncompleted PhD. I think that Brian. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's one of my favorite characters of all time, yeah. Brian, the dog from Family Guy. Yeah. Um, one of your seven wonders. It, it probably would be, actually, yeah. if I... Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a, sorry, I'm rambling on too much myself. There's a brilliant scene when they're trying to make um, uh, Brian go back and do his PhD. And one of the ways of doing it is to get the Hoover out and running around because dogs don't like Hoovers. Sure. It's to make him to finish a PhD. It's such a beautiful combination of things. Tell me you wrote that joke as well, I and didn't. I'll be. No, okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So that's that. Saturday Night Live sketch. Uh, that's uh, that's a very American, you know, aspect of comedy to for us to think about that's good but your next uh well maybe this is america as well so your next wonder is having exactly one drink yes so this is not normally the way we do things over here right i've noticed yeah especially, especially not in edinburgh in my i think yeah. i just think one is the first of all i want to make it clear i think the worst number of drinks to have is zero okay I think that's but right. but i think one one i like having one Almost as as much every night as I can. I, I used to be able to have two, and now I found in my forties, yes. I'm down to one, and I, right. I feel good after Don't one. Don't try and pretend forties is an old age. Uh, <laughs> I think I can speak for quite a few people in the room. <laughs> yeah, you're a young man. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, but I'm, but I'm, I, I did wake up with like leg pain yesterday, just oh. out for nothing. So I mean, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, so I got very into over the pandemic, uh, my. I turned 40 at one month before, uh, I guess it was three months before everything shut down. And uh, I, my wife asked me what I wanted for my 40th. And I said, I'd like the ability to just like make any cocktail at home and just yeah. anyone who comes over, just be able to make them a drink. All right. And so little did I know the whole world was going to shut down for a year. And so literally I spent like a year and change just making myself a cocktail. Yes. Every night. <laughs> oh, so um, your idea of exactly one drink is a cocktail that's full of about six different uh, yeah, alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that should have been clear. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, uh, but I just, I just think uh, having a drink at night is just one of the great pleasures of my life. Yes, and, and I, uh, I miss it if I don't have it. But then I've recently found that if I have more than one, yeah, it's the I don't need it. It's well, the weak, the weakness of the I'll just have one drink uh, policy, right? <laughs> so we've all tried to apply that. Yes, because if you have one. It makes you more inclined to have the next one yeah. and the next one. And that's the whole thing about like drink driving. So you say, the best thing to say, if you're at an event and you're driving home, you don't have any drinks. Because yeah. once you say, well, I'll have one, you then say, well, maybe I could have uh, two. As, and perhaps not in Scotland because the, the drink limit has been is lower than it is in England. So uh, I worry about it when I'm in yeah. Scotland. You say, well, I better not have any drinks then. Yeah. Uh, but uh, And in a more general way, beyond the driving thing, one leads to two, two leads right. to three. So how do you make sure you stick at the one um, how do you and, and should we if we're well, going to adopt it? If as I a know wife? I'm going to be driving, my plan is I always have to drink as soon as I get there. So you have to because if you because if you don't start drinking right away, then yeah. there's the chance the alcohol might be in your system. So the responsible thing to do <laughs> is to just have a drink as soon as you can. So that's uh, out of your system. But, I but, quite like your style, but yeah. the idea, if I'm driving, I have to get a drink quickly. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I, don't know what the, um, I think we might need to put a warning out with this particular I, podcast. I think, yeah. I think you... This man you, is a comedian. He's yeah, not a public yeah. health advisor. You hit, on one, <laughs> you hit on one of the keys, which is that you want it to be a good, stiff drink. Yes. Which is if you're only having one, so that you sure. really get the most out of it. You want to make sure it's a good drink and then uh i don't know i mean you eat a bunch of foods so you're full and then you're done yeah uh, an alternative strategy is to go to somewhere where people are going to drink a lot and have nothing at all you know have a grapefruit juice or a non-alcoholic beer or something like that and you somehow 
you, you get the atmosphere. The other people are doing the work to have all the alcohol to make it a jolly occasion. Yeah. And you you've got to, but you've got to allow yourself to go with the thing. Don't sit there grumpily saying, "Oh, I don't get these stupid people rambling on." Just go with it. Go with yes. the flow. That's but that's. That's an alternative strategy, I would suggest. I so. think so. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to end up eating like six ice cream cones or something to try to fill the hole. Or yeah. Just some sort of. Sometimes we get the impression, I get the impression anyway, that in showbiz in America, maybe more L.A. than New York, uh, that people don't drink, you know, because they, they, they don't want. I mean, British people going over, they like to drink because that tends to be part of our culture. But uh, Americans nowadays want to, you know, have a sensible diet, not too much putting on weight and for very little alcohol. For sure in New York, people do, especially stand-up, people do still drink before and during the show. I yeah. found that I maybe one or two sips to take the edge off is good, but I prefer to drink after the show. And by the way, it's now occurring to me that people are going to run into me after this at the bar having my third or fourth drink. Yes. <laughs> and I'm yeah. going to have, you know. Oh, well, I think you you just had a you're having a bad night when okay, they run into you. That's yeah, uh, yeah. That's so, how you'll know the show didn't go well. So when you do your show, or it went great. I don't so know. when you do your show tomorrow night, starting tomorrow night after this tonight, record, I start tonight. tonight sorry, yes. tonight. Will you have a drink before you begin, or do no, you wait until no, you do? No, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, 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 um, years and years ago, I did a, a radio recording, and it was in a in a sort of stand up place where I'd done shows, and we always had a drink when we were doing it. And then I did it on the radio, and I heard myself. No, I'm never doing that again because you can hear. Uh, there's a sort of slight slurring in your voice. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. And then the other the other night, I was asked to do a podcast, which is it's called something like Three Drunk Women Talk About Crimes, and it was uh, which was good fun podcast. to do. It's yeah. a good fun podcast. I thoroughly recommend it. But I had to have a drink there yeah. because that was the the thing. But it was they were a short one or what? Happened? Well, I had a beer. <laughs> okay, and, yeah. And it, they said it was three drunk women. One of them was pregnant, so she hadn't drunk anything at all. Sure. So I was, you know, yeah, I was fooled into it. But sounds uh, like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but if they ask you do that uh, it'd be a good I'll one do to it. do yeah good yeah, one to do well <laughs> um uh, so that's your second wonder done now your third wonder uh, very much an american uh, thing this right. which is nfl football yeah so uh justify I, that I decided, <laughs> I, I decided i would try to dig myself a hole yeah and dig my way out of it yeah i don't know i it's it's a bad thing it's not good professional football in america i think it's it's very unethical the, the people uh, injure themselves and they suffer uh, brain damage. It's horrible, but I can't stop watching it. It's the one sport where if I turn it on, any two teams are on at any time, and I will watch any game that's on. I don't uh, have – and I, I've told myself many times, like, oh, you know, my team, which is the Philadelphia Eagles, they won the Super Bowl several years ago, and I said, I just want to see them win one Super Bowl, and then I can give this up forever. Yes. And I didn't. I'm more in it than ever. I'm fully – I do think one of the appeals of football for me is it's on once a week. You know, I think football – what you call football, soccer, yeah, yeah like right. that too, where it's – what is it, twice a week, right? Where it's like – Oh, it's on most nights now. Right, they, but, if, we, you're, but got... if you're a fan of a team, how often do they play? They... Oh, well, they play uh, in some parts yeah. of the season twice a week. Right. Yeah, which is, is quite a lot for for the game. Yeah, but baseball or basketball, to the other American, I mean, your team is playing a lot. And you're, you're sort of giving up a lot of your life for it as opposed to once a week, which seems like – but for whatever reason, it's the sport that I find most exciting to watch. Yeah. I, I can watch it at any time. I would yeah. watch it at any time. Well, we all get brought up on whichever sport happens to be in our home or our parents or our country or whatever. But an American football, there are people who like American football over yeah. here, but it's, it's a limited market. That, and, it's, and it seems a very, very a sort of managed brutality compared to 
the, I mean, the most the most similar game that's played a bit over here is a, a couple of forms of game called rugby football. Sure. Rugby, uh, which is played here, which is, you know, there's a lot of bashing into people, but they're not in helmets and padding, and it's not absolutely just thumping in the whole though. It's getting more like that, and they're getting more injuries, like their concussion injuries that... Uh, well, now uh, you're yeah. piquing my interest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll start watching. Well, there are two forms of it. There's a rugby union and rugby league. Yeah. And they divided 100. You know what this country's like. You have to go back 100 years to work out why this happened. They divided about right. money 100 years ago, and they've developed on slightly different lines. But they're both big, chunky guys bashing into each other. Yeah. They've got bigger and bigger as the years have gone by. I yeah. Mean, I don't mean they have, but no, they the, keep, the players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, football, they keep trying to make it less dangerous, but... Ultimately, it's like you said, it's people bashing yeah. each other with helmets. I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but I really, I can't stop yeah. watching it. And the little bit, of, well, not the little bit, a particular bit about it, which we find difficult to understand, because uh, our football in this country and indeed around the world is played on pure capitalist lines. The more money the club has, the better the players they can buy, the more money they come in from television or from the oil-rich states or Russian oligarchs when they were around. That's, that just determines how we But in America, you have this draft system where the, the worst team gets the best pick of the players for the next year. Yeah. Which, I think that is part of the appeal of it. In football, there is a salary cap, so all the teams are sort of on even footing. There are other sports. Cap's quite a big cap, though, isn't a, it? It's it a, is, yeah. But in yeah. baseball, the, the richest teams tend to win more because okay. they spend the most money. Right. Um, and so it's a little bit more unfair. So, but it just seems, I'm not saying it's a bad way of doing it, but it seems a strange way looking at it from a non-American point of view that, that because you did so badly, you get, you know, if, I don't know, let's say Harry Kane, his player's just been transferred to Germany, but you would get the right to have him in your team um, if he was just coming out of college. Yeah. Um, but because you did the worst in the, in, the, uh, in the league. It's to keep things even. Although there is, I mean, uh, there's what they call tanking, which is, you know, teams, once they realize they're going to be bad, they start trying to be as bad as possible to get. All right. You know, yeah. But that, that's, that's not a very good, uh, that's not very good for the sport, is it? That people are not trying. I told you I was embarrassed to be a fan. <laughs> yeah. So how often has your team, you know, won? They the won the Super Bowl five, six years ago, yeah. and it was one of the most exciting things of my life. And then they almost, they made it to the Super Bowl last year, and they lost in yeah. very heartbreaking but exciting fashion. But they have a young, up-and-coming team. They seem like they're primed to only get better. Okay. Which I'm fully we all in. say that about our team. I know, so, right? Yeah. 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 Oh, um, yeah. We're, we're building for the future. But yeah, yeah, I mean, but also, like, I will, like, if a game is on between, like, the two worst teams in the league and I have nothing else going like, I will watch it happily. And it's yes. the one where I'll, I'll get into it. I'll find a way to get I know. It. It's a great uh, time. I, not NFL, but watching football is a, is a, problem with me i waste a lot of time uh, doing that yeah but uh, but there it is so that's so you nfl football it's uh, it's it's very popular in north america it uh, hasn't spread around the world the way some other forms of football had that's uh, anything i would note no uh, i know way. yeah <laughs> yeah Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, your fourth wonder... Um, it's, uh, I, I'm hoping to pronounce his name correctly, uh, Tom Bryhan's stereo gum column, The Number Ones. Yes. So the way, as you can tell, I'm picking my way through that. I'm, yeah. I'm not super famili- familiar with this, and uh, perhaps I should be. I, he's a writer for Stereo Gum, which is a music website. And during the pandemic, I started reading his columns. He basically, he actually, I wish I knew the name. He got the idea from a, an English writer who started writing a column about every single song that had ever been a number one hit yes. in in the UK, and then he decided to basically take the idea and do it about every single song that ever been a number one hit in America. And he was for a while he was writing three a week, and he started in the the beginning of the Billboard chart in like 1958, 1959, and he's now up to like Katy Perry, uh, yeah. and which or and uh, he he writes a column about every single song. And I call, I started reading it a few years ago. He, at the time, he was like in the late 80s. I later went back and read all the old columns, and I've read every new column since. Yeah. And it's kind of become, it, it hits a lot of the sweet spots for me, which is music, but also lists yes. and records yeah. and statistics and things like that. And But he also just has a way of writing about the songs where it, he tells you all the important information about the history of it, the making of it, but then it's also a personal connection to it. And then he gives it at the end a rating on a scale of one to 10 of why he likes it. And it's also given me a new appreciation for a lot of forms of music that I necessarily didn't always love. Like, I definitely grew up listening to a lot of rock music, classic rock, alternative rock. And I've sort of, you know, when I was, I've now gotten belatedly, like, very into, like, Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey and things like that, where they've been hugely popular over the years, but I never necessarily liked them. And I now find myself wanting to listen to them. Just because you've been taken through them. and I think that sort of, it took me on a little bit of a... um, uh yeah like a like a ride through like listening to some you know he he's a very good writer in that he's a rock writer i think is his background but he has an appreciation for a lot of different forms of music that are aren't necessarily critically popular like disco or like straight up just pop pop music yeah um where uh you know he really stuff that's been sort of like critically derided over the years but like very popular and so it's given me a new appreciation for it through that well, uh, the first thing I would say to that, and uh, you're not really supposed to gender things so much anymore, but that's such a, I think it's a very male attitude thing. You mentioned the music and the lists. Yeah. Uh, teenage boys love, or when you had records, right. l- loved arranging their records, their singles, their LPs, their albums, their EPs in yeah. alphabetical order. Definitely the movie High Fidelity yes, and the book yes, is that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, for uh, sure. Um, so that's, that's something. But um, it, it's, it, to make it a wonder of the world, it's, it's, it's obviously been a big uh, impact on you. I get very excited when this column comes out. It used to be yeah. three times a week, and now he does it once a week. And it's, uh, it's, um, I, but like, I, when, when I like sort of count down the minutes to when I know yeah. it's coming out, and then I, I read it like as soon as I have a chance. And, but it's a reading thing because a lot of stuff online you can go onto it's, and people it's analyzing. Re- it's reading, music. and then you read the column, and then within it, he puts the links of, 
the the you know the video and different songs that sort of yeah. relate to it and other and then there sometimes yeah. he'll he'll uh, write about the song that finished number two behind it yes. or uh, other songs by that cover version. So there's a lot of like music history in there. Sure, really fascinating. And of so course, I, uh, I suppose you discover with American number ones the same as British number ones that you know you think of oh seventies oh that was all punk and then there'll be. Um, I don't know, Clive Dunn, well, there's, there's no one less like Granddad. In yeah. there. I don't know if I'm getting the era right. There's all sorts of novelty records and there's, stray and old yeah. forms that, that are, you know, Cliff Richard has a, has a big hit or something. something this may not mean much to you, but there are these big, big stars of different forms of music there, popping up. There are a lot of, like, you think of things as certain uh, periods that were popular, but, I mean, you know, like, for instance, like, you think, oh, once Nirvana broke, like, that totally yeah. got rid of, like, hair metal Yes, and definitely did not. Like no. there was stuff like or th- after that that was like horribly cheesy that became popular. Yes. That was. You know. I don't. I don't know if the, you know, the the British version you're thinking of is exactly this, but you know the the, compo- you know, the musical writer Tim Rice and somebody yeah. else used to do books about uh, uh, you know all the charts and yeah. the music generally. I don't know if it was just number one. So um, perhaps if I had slightly more time to prepare myself for you, I would have uh, discovered that out. So I, I'd. Have to suggest, whoa, and he's just copied a copied an idea, but but why not? Because it's um, they're American number one idea, yeah. Obviously, about 70% would be exactly the same records, but right, would you could you obsessively get the British version as well and then compare the analysis of the overlaps? Would that, uh, would that I, appeal I, to you? It would be interesting to there are some songs, it's funny how there are some songs, both British, there are British songs that were popular in America, there, uh, there were British songs that were only popular in Britain, then there were Americans that translated to Britain. There are Americans that never translated to Britain. And then there's yeah. like Americans that were only popular in the UK, but yeah. not in America. There's yes. all these different like weird formulations yeah. of it. Or yeah. even some uh, band like Blondie, I think I'm right in saying they made it. I know they were in New York first, but yeah. then they came to Britain and yeah. they were, uh, became big but stars. But then there's other it. bands like uh, like Aha, which, yeah. ta- which like in the States, they're like a one hit wonder. And I guess over here, they they were huge or something. I don't know. They're like the, maybe I have yeah. the wrong one, but there are other ones. Where they uh, yeah, I think they're. Yeah. Uh-huh, are they are they Norwegian or something? Uh-huh. Something like that. Yeah. 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 So they're big in Norway. Yeah. <laughs> and they're probably big here as well. I'm, I'm big I'm, in Norway as yeah. well. It's not hard. No, I yeah. <laughs> so your fifth wonder, uh, Color by Numbers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Coloring by Numbers. Yeah. So I. Uh, <laughs> So I have two kids, and I like. Uh, there are only certain certain things about uh, that I like to do when I'm playing with them. I free. Okay. My wife is very good at like coloring. Just like my my daughter will be like, you know, can you draw uh, a, something like a you oh, know a giraffe, and she yeah. can just sort of draw. And I like those color by numbers books where you fill in the numbers. Yes. And each one, and at the end, it looks like a picture. Again, I think it's is it right brain or left brain that is like I forget which one I, is. Which brain? Which brain are you talking about? I, uh, which, I'm so, the which, one that's like what math, aspect are you talking about? It's like about? math oriented, or sort of oh. like left brain. Yeah, it's like completing a Thank puzzle. You, very much. you know, yeah. like I like to build the Lego set with my son. That uh, where at the end it looks like something. I don't like where you just throw a bunch of a pile of Legos on the ground. Yeah, and then it's like let's build something out of it. Like I'm just like no, that doesn't sound fun to me. But I really find during the pandemic, you know, we spent a lot of time with the kids, and I found. The color by numbers very calming, very relaxing. Yes, very. It takes your brain off of the. It gives you a topic, or like it gives you a a task to complete that does not involve your phone. You put it away, and you 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 finish it, and you just sort of. And at the end, you're uh, you're done. You've made something. Is this just not a way of doing artwork 
in an easy way. Yes. That doesn't require much effort on your it part. Makes, yes, it's yeah. ex- exactly. It's if yeah. you're a non-artistic person. So and it's you not want... painting by numbers. It, oh, it, I could, I'll it's pay... not painting by numbers. It's, par- it's parenting by numbers. Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would paint by so numbers. So I forced or... that in and it wasn't yeah. worth it as it no, turned out. No, it was fine. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, uh, I, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, it gives me pleasure. I, I enjoy it. I was. Yeah. I might have done it like 20 minutes right before you guys asked me to give my seven wonders at the yes. time i don't know but um but yeah. it's uh but i funny because you know you look you go and you look in shops for like presents for your kids and i see them and I'm, i get excited i'm like oh i would like that i would do that one yeah and, and, and what is your children's attitude is they oh goody we're gonna do painting by numbers again or is it oh no we're doing painting by no Can't it's sort of like let's sit around the, the table because yeah. we like throwing yeah. that around so in the morning when you walk in and you haven't got any shoes on yeah and that's the best bit of playing with lego is oh my hearing god your parents swear. finding them yeah, yeah. exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I think every, it's like one of those things where everybody, you sit around the table, everybody does their own thing. And some people just want to color or yeah. paint and some people want to color by numbers. And yeah. I'm usually the one person coloring by numbers. <laughs> so as a, <coughs> as a parent, is your, your trade and occupation uh, a good one? Are you available during the day to be with your children and you're out at night doing stand up, or are you shut away in your, in a room somewhere trying to be quiet, trying to write some stuff for somebody well, else? Well, definitely the last few years, there's been a lot more between the pandemic and then the strike. There's been a lot more hands-on parenting yeah. than I thought there would be when yeah. I became a parent. But that's, it, you know, mm. but uh, yeah. no, I try to, it is funny, I though I, uh, usually the dad has the, the, it's sort of the stereotype is like the dad is the fun one and the, the mom does all the work and I'm yeah. the one who's sort of like, Hey, uh, I'll I'll be over here washing the dishes. Why don't you play with them? All right. But I'm like, at least I'm helpful, right? Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so the traditional uh, theory is that uh, when when a couple have children, yeah, uh, the the mother becomes more and more responsible and becomes more and more of a grown up, yeah. looking after things, and the husband, the father, quite often gets more and more childish because uh, he can then play all the games that he's remembered yeah. playing as a kid. Uh, but that's the story. Well, I'm glad I've, I've broken that gender mold oh, by becoming extremely boring. Okay. That's sort of <laughs> my plan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's coloring by numbers. Uh, oh, s- I think I know what the next one is, by the way. And if you thought it was boring, then you're going to really like this <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, so uh, six is nectarines. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, it's summertime. And uh, I just like... I, I get excited for, like, when fruits are in season, like plums or nectarines in summer, and I just think a great nectarine. Like, if you eat a, like, I feel like eating a cookie or a piece of cake or a brown or some sort of dessert, like, it's like, how could it not be good, right? Like, it's almost like cheating. Like, there's a bunch of sugar. Like, you put everything in it yeah, that you, yeah. but, like, a piece of fruit, like a nectarine, it's kind of, a, it's kind of more magical. Like, it comes out of the ground, and it just tastes great. Like, how did they do that? <laughs> like isn't that cool or on yes. a tree you know it's yes. like it's yeah. it's crazy to, it, it's, uh, well you know I don't know how the, I don't know how many people in the audience is Scottish uh, traditionally Scotland uh, turns its nose up at fruit and vegetables uh, yeah and, uh, uh, I've heard, it's very uh, hard to find <laughs> oh boy well I often 
as a defence mechanism, I often bring up that I come from a Scottish family, and okay. and and other people who are Italian or French family, they bring all these. When in London, I was being brought up, my father bring back the the delights of Scotland, which is Iron Brew, which is the, uh, the exciting sugary drink, yeah. or Scotch pies, which are made out of mitzvah. He never brought any fruit back. But uh, um, anyway, ne- nectarines. Why uh, you like fruit? But why nectarines? Just, uh, I just think it's you know if you get a good nectarine in the summer, it's just a perfect bite. You just bite into it, and it's just yeah. very refreshing. And it's I I like the idea that like it gives you something to look forward to all year. You know, because an apple you can kind of get a good apple, but a banana you can, you you can get yeah. it year round. But one that only that. You know, you can only find it uh, in the summer is just I think that's, uh, okay. you know, and I get it. You know, they show up in the supermarket. All of a sudden you go, oh, it's nectar. Or it's, oh, it's plum season. And yeah. I'm going to get a bunch of those. So nectarines, they're just peaches with a smooth skin. Oh, that's they? the other yeah. thing I meant to mention is oh. that I, I really don't like the fuzzy skin on the peach. And so the nectarine is really. I like the fuzzy skin. Oh, you do? But but I don't know. This this is going to sound weird, isn't it? But uh, yeah. There's something about eating it raw, that fuzzy skin that is just gross to me. I like I like a peach pie. Yes. I like when you or a sliced peach when the peaches are in the pie. Yes. But then that, something about eating biting into that fuzz is yes. is gross. It feels like eating a, a kiwi with the skin I, on or something. I think. But I you think like very, that? I think you're very much a man of your time. Okay. I, <laughs> I think we are more used to the fuzzy skin oh, in my day. I get where you're going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so uh, but it's, you're uh, online, you're searching for vintage nectarine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I like uh, flat peaches. Do you, do you, do you have those? They're, they're the sort of being do- round. The, the donut ones? Is yeah, that what? Yeah. yeah they, I discovered them. Well, for me, they were a discovery about five years ago. And they're easy to eat and they're tasty. They're good, eat. but they're still fuzzy, right? Yes, yes, yeah. definitely. Okay. Well, you're or into not what you're going to push you off yeah. your nectarines. Then, oh, okay, yeah, think. yeah. Uh, so, do you do you grow? For, I, I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know what not. your how, home conditions are. If you were from California, I'd expect no. you'd have a great. But in New York, you might have um, a window box. No, we know. don't grow anything. But we have, you know, we have access to. We, you know, you can get them in the supermarket. But also, then we have the farmers market. You know, you go to and you get fresh peaches and the sun, fresh nectarines and plums and things. Yes, and it's exciting. Okay. So, and above all any other wonders in the world, and above all fruits, uh, the nectarine is your king The nectarine, one. yes. But also just the example of, I just, I just love that fruit just tastes like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I've got it's that. It's one ingredient. Yes. Uh, and would you make, is it always just fresh nectarine, or would you turn it into a nectarine pie or, or something like that? You... Uh, I wouldn't make a nectarine pie, but then I also, when I got into the cocktail making, sometimes I would like to have certain fruits around, and, you know, like it'd be nice to have, like, a, if you have yeah. a grapefruit, you can make a cocktail with that. The fresh Cocktail grapefruit. with a fruit is yeah, always sure. uh, Yeah, especially fun. in summer. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, right. So we're, 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 we're just about good enough time to come to your seventh, your final okay. wonder, which is the trip movies. Yeah. So those are from here, yes, from the indeed. UK. Yes. Yeah. So, so I discovered these, and I have a, I, I love them all. There's how many? Four or five? Something like that. Some, so this is Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Yeah. And they uh, they did a trip around the north of England. Yeah. And then they went to Italy. I think they there's did a Greece, Greece one, yeah. Spain. Spain. So that, and they're all a... hilarious. Yeah. And I I so I know a little bit about Steve Coogan. He's sort of been in some American movies yes. and then i saw like philomena or something i know nothing yeah. about rob bryden but i've other than these movies and i've purposely decided not to investigate any of their past comedy because right. i like these movies 
and I, I like them so much in like a capsule. Yeah. And I laugh at them so much, and they're referencing things that I don't understand or don't know what they are, and I kind of enjoy that oh, in a weird way. So when they, they mention, um, you know, Alan Partridge, yes, you don't know I've, where the, I've never seen, I, did, I have to say, I did look into trying to find Alan Partridge, and it's not streaming anywhere, and you, you can really? order DVDs, and I've heard it's hilarious, but I almost yeah. kind of, I like knowing that there's a thing out there that I would like that I haven't seen. There's, there's quite a lot of it because <laughs> Which uh, gives me if you go some... to the BBC iPlayer, I would have, I almost yeah. guarantee it's available in one So he I is a probably he... could watch it here yeah. more easily than I could in the states. Maybe I could find well, it, but yeah. but I. So he's a talk show host. He right. started on radio. We started as a sports reporter. Yeah. In, in a comedy world. Yeah. He was a pretend sports reporter. Then he got his own uh, chat show, talk show on. Um, on radio, and then it went on to television, and then he got it taken off, and then they make an, another series about right. his life when he's getting no work, really. And then he's come back again, so he's got another series back on the television. And uh, it, I used to think it was funny, but unfortunately for me, it's just like watching a documentary of my yeah. life. So, so it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he's brilliant. He's a brilliant actor. He brings higher acting skills than is strictly required. For yeah. that. He's, he's so into playing that part, are, and he's done a lot of other things. Are well. those movies... Movies, the trim movies, are they popular here? Yeah, well, I, I like them. Does everyone like... Uh, and, and Rob Brydon... Really well, it, um, I would say not everybody would, right. would know them, but anybody who does follow them, I think, would enjoy them. So, and but they Rob Brydon is, yeah. is another... Um, an actor and comedian, and he's they're both in, can do lots of impressions, as you can obviously see from that, right? And he's done lots and lots of stuff, but he now does quite a lot of um, like uh, quiz programs, panel shows on the yeah. television, which he's very good as well. But so there's a little bit of banter about that. And the, is, well, they yeah, the movie, I mean, the movies all reference the fact that one has been slightly more successful than the other, and yeah. they, it's about the relationship and the com- yeah. competition of them, and then they compete sort of yes. on these impressions to see who can do. And then they yeah. sort of, their relationship goes through ebbs and flows over the course of the movies where sometimes they're really getting along and other times they're not. And then, you know, the impressions are always hilarious. And sometimes it's impressions of people that I obviously know and can really appreciate you the impression. Michael yeah, and sure. Got, and then yeah. even America, they do impressions of Americans, you know. Yes. And then sometimes it's impressions of people that I don't know and I yeah. enjoy that. Yes. I don't know. No, well, I, uh, they're both very successful. Yeah. Uh, you could say that it's, you might say that... Uh, Steve Coogan has done some higher, higher. Yeah. But uh, Rob Brydon, for example, is in the Barbie movie. I think. He's oh. a, I think he's only in one tiny little scene. Has anyone seen the Barbie movie? I have. Did, did you notice him in it? Yes. Is it a good scene? I. Yes. I want to see it. I haven't. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. Because an interview it in the paper today, we say, oh, I don't know why people say, why shouldn't I be? Why shouldn't I be in the Barbie movie? Because it's a big movie. I could be yeah. in that. I, I, just because I do. Um, uh, would I lie to you? Which is a very popular. You know, yeah. And he's he's great on that. So, but I I think they I agree with the the joy of it is you you're not always sure on these trips whether they are making it all up and just pretending to dislike each other at some points, or they actually are annoyed with each other. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a love-hate relationship. And you get to see, like, beautiful scenery yes. around the world yeah. and un- d- delicious-looking food and yes. sort of like, you and, know. And you're happy to watch that as a performer and not be jealous that they have managed to work out a gig that requires them to eat luxury meals in exotic <laughs> locations and to be paid for it. Well, they're yeah. usually also having some sort of argument or some sort of... Life yeah. crisis, so I feel like if that's the price, then yes. you know I'd rather just be at home in my apartment. All right, okay. Yeah. Well, that that is uh, that's interesting that that should make it to be one of your seven wonders. But uh, um, thank you very much uh, for for 
coming up with a seven, but I yeah. have to now decide which is the wonder of wonders, which is the wonder that uh, uh, I'm going to select of all those. I think I might be a bit um, parochial on this. Uh, I've been interested by all your okay. uh, American things. I was, I, was, I was very pleased to be introduced to Saturday Night Live sketch and seeing Tom Hanks in action in a, in a comedy like that. But um, and nectarines, they sound good. Um, <laughs> if I, I feel like if I had said peaches, you might have no, no, been more... I, 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 no, I was just trying to in- inject a bit of controversy sure. in, the, okay. in the fruit yeah. department. Yeah. <laughs> I am getting a bit broken. I think the very last one, uh, the trip, I want to make that uh, your wonder of wonders. Oh, so that, good. So, so thank you very much, Matt, Matt Goldich, yeah. for sharing your wonder of wonders with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of My Seven Wonders, it would be wonderful if you could rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Thank you for listening. My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. 